0: Twenty-seven, and we're going to be looking at some passages of scripture. Paul here uh, in Acts chapter twenty-seven is in the midst of a, a terrible, terrible storm, and uh, he is being taken to Rome. And uh, they're on a ship, and we're going to pick up the the story here in just a minute. Acts chapter twenty-seven. Uh, when you get in verse number one, it says, "When it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners." Under one named Julius. So I want you to get the setting here. Paul's a prisoner. He's been charged with a crime uh, that he's not guilty of. And uh, he's being now sent to Rome uh, uh, on an appeal. And so he's a prisoner and he's been put on a ship. And verse number two, he entered in the ship of uh, Adirondheim, and we launched meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus of Macedonia and Thessalonica being with us. Next day, we touched Sidon. Julius courteously entreated Paul, gave him liberty to go to his friends to refresh himself. And when he had launched from thence, he sailed under Cyprus uh, because the winds were contrary. You know, sometimes in life, winds, the winds of life get contrary. Amen. And uh, see, me like Gus quite a bit. But anyway, God's still God, even when the winds are contrary. And verse number five, when we sailed over the sea of Sicilia, Uh, Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia, and there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing uh, into Italy." And I could comment on there about Alexandria, but I don't want to get there this morning. And he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days and scarce for come over against Nidius, Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon and hardly passing it came into a place which is called the fair havens. Now, sometimes uh, we'll sail into the fair havens of life. Everything's going good. There's money in the bank, healthy and everything's going good. I'm glad there's times like that in life. Now, verse number nine, now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now done, Dangerous because the fast was not already passed. Paul admonished them and said unto them, "Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only the lady in the ship, but of her lives." And verse number eleven. Nevertheless, Centurion believed the master and the owners of the ship more than those things which are spoken to Paul. It's always a dangerous thing to believe the world rather than the word of God. Amen. Amen. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain the Phoenician there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And the wind the wind blew, a south wind blew softly, and boy there's times in life when the south wind's blowing softly, and everything's as I said going good. Supposing they had attained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close to Crete. And not long after, verse 14, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurycladon. And, buddy, let me tell you something. That wasn't, no little, that wasn't no little deal. That was a bad, bad storm they were getting ready to go in life against. Now, I want you to, uh, uh, we're going to keep reading here. When the ship was caught and could not bear up in the moon, we let her drive. How many have been in such a storm in your life? There wasn't nothing you could do about it. You just had to let her drive. Uh, by the way, it's the way a lot of times in life things are. You, you know, you don't have control over the situation. You just let her rip. I mean, you just say, Lord, you're in control. I got my hand. We don't really, what he wants to do at halftime is take your hands off the stupid thing. Amen. And let him let him take care of it. But this, but they're being driven by this wind and this storm of life. So now he says there in verse number 16, to running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat. Which when they had taken it uh, up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall in the quicksand, strike sail, and were so driven. We sing that song, we're driven, tossed to and fro and driven on. And when we see Christ, that song, a lot of times in life, it just feels like we're being driven by winds and power that we do not understand or know where it's taking us, what's going on. And verse number 18, and being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. And the next day they lighten the ship. You say, well, my life's just been nothing but a sweet breeze so far. Hang on, live long enough. Amen? Amen. Live long enough. You'll hit a storm. Amen. And they lighten the ship. Verse number 19, the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. I mean, they're starting to unload everything. And so sometimes that's what God puts you through a storm for is get you unload some stuff, get rid of some stuff out of your ship. And verse number 20, when neither sun nor stars. Now watch this. When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now that word saved, there's not talking about your salvation. It's all talking about being saved out of a temporal life setting, all right? They're in a storm of life and uh, things got so bad and so rough, uh, the sun and the stars couldn't, couldn't see them for many days. I going to tell you, they say, you know, that whenever things are cloudy, people have a tendency to be more depressed. Even uh, psychologists, and I'm not into that. We'll tell you that they'll give people that are depressed to say, get the, get the windows of your house open. Get the curtains pulled back. Let some light in. You might need to paint the walls yellow instead of dark brown. Get some light in your house. Turn on some lights. I don't like a dark place. We got lights everywhere. We're not enough to suit me. I don't like a dark I don't like a bar room. I don't like it dark. Amen. Amen. I want some light around. But they had not seen the sun or stars for many days. Things are getting bad. And uh, it said all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now I'm going to show you three passages of scripture now. Now this, now this is a dark night. Uh, I've been through some storms in life. A lot of people going through, our nation is going through a storm right now. I've never seen a time like it. I had A man called me this morning down in Arkansas and talk to me a while. And he said, said there's people dying all around us. He said, everybody's sick. He said, people are on edge. They're discouraged. They're irritated. They're about mad. He said, I thought you're just going to go off. And that's kind of the way America is right now. I'm going to show you a verse. I want you to look at verse, and you have your Bible. I want you to look at verse number 22. Now, in the midst of all this junk and this stupidity and the storm and the winds and the hope gone, Paul pops up and says, I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what. That's why you need a man of God around every once in a while. That's why you need a daddy that's a man of God. That's why you need a mother that's a man of God, so they can see through the storms. And I want to help you see through the storms today, and I want to preach on divine cheerfulness and how you can have divine, why and how you can have divine cheerfulness in the midst of the day that you and I are living in. By the way, can I say something? America's nothing but full of sissies. You ain't lived through the Depression. You haven't lived through World War II. Amen. You haven't lived through the pneumonia flu of the early 20s and people dying everywhere and no medicine. It's not as bad as you think. It's just that we're so spoiled rotten that if anything ain't right, we get thinking everything's real bad. But nonetheless, there are a lot of bad storms going on. I'll get that in a little bit. He said, in the midst of all this storm and trouble and all hope being gone and no sun and stars all these days, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now, what on earth? You know, know, somebody does. Don't you just, that makes you sick. (laughs) You're going through a hard time in your life. Everything's went south. Everything, I mean, everything's bad. And some little stupid spiritual idiot pops up and says, oh, be of good cheer. And you look at him and say, you know what? If you was in my shoes, you wouldn't be saying that. But the just shall live by faith. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Now, I've been going through a storm all year long. All right? A bad one. And it seemed like my life just, I go from fair havens to a storm, from fair havens to a storm. Did you know what they offered Jesus? Wine mingled with myrrh on the cross. That's life. Wine is a picture of joy, and myrrh is a picture of sorrow. Life is a mixture of myrrh, of joy, and sorrow. You're going to have sunshiny days and sad days. You're going to have snowy days. You're going to have hot days. And that's life. And we need to toughen up a little bit, amen. Amen. I want this church to be tough. Amen. Amen. I mean by that, spiritually tough, that you don't get blown out of the water by every little, your dog died, so you went, you backslid for five years. Amen. Right. Amen. Right. I mean, you, you ain't smiled in six years because your, your, your mule fell over dead. I don't know. But this business of not having cheerfulness is killing us. Yeah. Now, I want to preach on you. He said, I exhort you to be up. Now, look down to verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He said it again. He said, they didn't like it the first time I'm telling them again. But I want you to watch what a man who can, by faith, who believes God, who's got God with him, can do to a bad situation. Look over in verse number 36. Then they all, then were they all of good cheer. Huh, what happened? Rubbed off on them, amen. Did you know if you hang around with sour-headed people, you'll be sour-headed after a while? You hang around discouraged people, you'll be discouraged after a while. I'm going to tell you something, and as a church, if there's ever been a time when we can shine as lights in the midst of a dark nation, it's right now. And we should be the ones who are able to say, be of good cheer. Hey, we're closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than we've ever been. I'm closer to glory land than I've ever been. I want to tell you something. I know Christ and I know his word and I can be of good cheer. And if we'll be of good cheer, other people might happen. All of a sudden, all these guys that had given up all hope, they're all happy now. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what I hope. If you come to this church and you're discouraged this morning, you say, Reggie, you don't know what I'm going through. I know I don't. But God does. And God's able to give you cheer in the midst of your trials and your troubles and your problems. Now, you say, Reggie, what are you getting at here? Well, uh, you ever heard three cheers? Ever heard it. three cheers? That's where they come from. In England, England was such a biblical country that that's where in England is known for its attitude about being in hard situations and three cheers. How many have ever heard this? Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Oh, I know y'all don't like that kind of stuff. I don't care. Amen. You know, that's what's wrong with America. We can't say hip, hip, hooray. What were they doing? They were giving three cheers. And they got that three cheers out of the Bible. And every time, I mean every time, God tells anybody to be of good cheer, it was in the middle of storms. It was in the middle of problems. It was in the middle of disappointment. So God is not saying, Wait till things get better for you to be in good cheer. He said, I want you to be of good cheer right now. Now, he's going to not, that's just not an arbitrary psychological trick. God doesn't play mind games. God works in your spirit, and he wants your spirit to be of good cheer. Well, let me tell you why. This morning, America's in a storm. We got open borders down here. People passing, uh, pouring through our borders that are illegals. We got a political party that's trying to make them vote. New York just opened up for 2 million illegal aliens to vote in the state of New York. That is stupidity. That's a formula and a recipe to kill this country. But God says, be of good cheer. He said, Reggie, you be of good cheer. If I sit around and watch the news all day long, I'd be in the dumps, amen. They'd have me in a psych ward. They, They don't do nothing but pump out stupid stuff to make you feel bad all day long. We got to move in this country to defund the police. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? I'm telling you something. I guarantee you, they're already changing their mind about that, and they will. But it's usually the ones who's got personal bodyguards who are promoting that kind of garbage. Amen. I'll tell you what: I, I, the, the ones that are promoting for you to be disarmed have got people armed walking on each side of them. Yeah. The stupid hypocrites. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're still having Church of Liberty Faith this morning. I don't care if it snows on or not. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, but I can be of good cheer when I look at a bunch of idiots up there saying, well, we need to defund the police. I will tell you something, we're printing money with no backing. That, that stimulus check you got ain't worth flip nickel to you right now. Do you know you've already paid more for gas and groceries than you got? Because they've inflated and your money's worth less. They're printing three hundred and eighty six percent more money on the presses than they were eighteen months ago. That means your dollar's worth more less worth worth less now than it was eighteen months ago. You can't buy near what you can buy eighteen months ago with your dollar. All right. That means you're going broke. Do you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> be of good cheer. <laughs> Why can I be of good cheer when the dollar's worth? Because I serve God, amen. amen. And he's promised to provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. God's not going up there going, oh my land, look what they're doing at the feds. They're printing money and making money and they're only paying people a on their interest. And good Lakes alive, these people's going to go broke and can't buy gas and food. And, can't. and God's not what they're doing that. He's telling, hey Reggie, be of good cheer. Amen. Reggie, be of good cheer. I want you to go home and be of good cheer this morning. Amen. Yeah. Well, you say, Reggie, what's else going on? Well, uh, we've got a inflation that's running away. I mean, yeah. gas going out the roof and propane going out the roof and meat going out the roof and the grocery store shelves are getting bare. I'm up be of good cheer. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, peeling potatoes last night. Karen said, What do you want for supper? Well, the reason I was peeling taters is because I had told her I was going to take her to Mountain Grove in the snow and buy her something to eat. Well, I took the grandkids sledding, and when I come in from sledding, I didn't feel like going nowhere. So she said, what do you want for supper? I said, I want fried taters and onions. So I went up and peeled the taters. And I was peeling taters, and I got thinking, I've been hearing about all this stuff. That ain't no groceries. Everybody's saying, is that true or not? I don't go to a grocery store. Is it true? Is the shells kind of empty? Some of them are. Now they tell me there's plenty of Valentine candy. (laughs) So I'm sitting there peeling potatoes. Now watch this. I'm peeling potatoes and I thought, boy, Sister Carol, I hope they don't run out of taters. I'd be in a mess. (laughs) I mean, I can do without pancakes, but I got to have potatoes. Uh And I got to think about my grandpa Kelly Rhodes. They had 15 children. And they planted a garden. And they didn't buy their taters at, 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 the, at the supermarket. Amen. They didn't buy much at the supermarket at all. And he, my mama said he always had potatoes and apples and stuff put away to give to people coming through during the depression. And he'd go out there and dig in, he would dig a hole back in the bank of it. And lay down straw and lay a layer of taters down, put some lime on them, lay them straw down, taters and lime and straw. And he'd go out there and he'd get a bucket of taters. And I thought, Lord... My grandpa could have made it through these empty cells. I'm in trouble. (laughs) I better plant a garden. What I'm telling you is I can still be of good cheer even if there's empty shells on things. And if inflation is running away, God, that is not the basis of my joy and not the basis of my happiness. We've got a a bureaucratic bunch of crazies in this country. They used to tell us there's global warming. warming, That didn't happen, so now it's climate change. And they're spending all kinds of your tax money you know, based upon that. Most of them probably own a solar organization or something, who knows, or an electric car company. We're, a for, we're, we're in dependence for foreign everything. Everything's made overseas now. And one of the reasons it is because the government's got so much bureaucracy in it that you can't, you can't have a factory in the United States. You can't produce anything here because you've got too many bureaucrats. And I money mean, taxes you out of business. Amen. So they send over there. I get to the ball players having their tennis shoes made by slave labor over in China. Bunch of hypocrites, we spent a million five hundred thousand five hundred fifty seven thousand dollars and eighty five dollars on s- studying lizards running a treadmill last year. We spent four million five hundred seventy five thousand dollars on studying alcoholic rats last year, and you wonder why you were broke. <laughs> <clears throat> OSHA making it impossible for manufacturing. I'm thankful the Supreme Court ruled that Biden couldn't put that vaccine on them employers, amen. They ain't got no business telling you what you got to be shot in your arm with. Right. Then we had an Afghan just withdrawal over there, sickening mess, left $80 million worth of equipment over there, and, and seven or eight people, soldiers dying. In the office A debacle you ever seen pulled off since the Bay of Pigs? Right. Yep. letting criminals out of prison, drug culture rampant. The Forest Service in California said, we ain't you'll have no logging. So then it got all burned up. Set on fire because it didn't use any sense, amen. I mean, it's like the whole country's upside down crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Now we're paying people not to work. A yeah. yeah. man told me this morning, he called me, and said, Reggie, he said, listen, now, you can't get people to work down here. He said, the government's paying them more than you can pay them. Said, Why do they want to go to work when they can get a check from the government? Yeah. Yeah. Amen, we're having a good time, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Then we got COVID. Yeah. Everything's COVID. Yeah. Go the- I, I, I don't know whether I got it or not, but if I do... <laughs> <sighs> I'll tell you something. It's been what now? Two, two, three years. If you ain't got it, you probably ain't going to get it. But it's rough. It's tough. It's real. But so is the cold. So is pneumonia. So is sinus infection. That's what I got. So is cancer. But we've got a COVID corruption. I'll tell you what's happened. How'd you like to be a pharmacy company selling <clears throat> shots and test kits to the government and make everybody in the world take them. You ain't never got into such a lucrative deal. If you want to get in the money-making business, get into something where the taxpayer's money is flowing through the government to your business. Because you can charge anything you want to and they don't care because it ain't their money, it's taxpayer's money. We're now dependent upon Russia and everybody else with Saudi Arabia for energy, shut down our own pipeline, shut down our own energy development. I'm about stupid. We've got an education system that's godless and wicked and teaching all kinds of CRT and every kind of other garbage, stupid thing in this country. And people wonder why people are not happy in America. Yeah. And I want to tell you, in the midst of all this, God says you can be of good cheer. Amen. Every time it's said to be of good cheer, it was in bad circumstances. Now you say, Reggie, what does it mean to be of good cheer? It doesn't mean that you're not going through a tough time. Chris, you're going through a rough time. But I want to tell you, tell you something. I'm, I've been going through a rough time. But we can both be of good cheer. And I'm going, to, I'm going to show you why God says you, why and how God says you can be of good cheer. Now, But, but before I do that, I want, to, I want to define cheerfulness. Cheerfulness is connected to joy. It means to shout with joy. I believe in shouting. You do too at a ballgame, but not at church. You're a hypocrite. Right. Yes, sir. Amen. You're shot over a three-point and God saved your soul from hell. You set you like a rock. Something wrong with you. Amen? Amen. 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 I want to tell you what it means. Cheerfulness means to dispel gloom. It means to dispel <laughs> sorrow and disappointment and discourage and to infuse life and encouragement into other people's lives. That's exactly what Paul was doing in the Acts 27 on that ship. It means cheerful means to be animated, to be in good spirits and full of life and enthused about life. Amen. And I am enthused about life. I know God. I know his son. I have eternal life. I'm enthused about life. Yes. Acts 27 said, verse number 20 said, all hope was taken away that they should be saved. I want you to look at this passage of scripture quickly. I want to give this to you. Number one, in verse number 22, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Paul, how can I do that? He's going to tell you why. Sirs, I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there should be none of man's, any man's life among you but the ship. And here's why. Now listen to me. I'm going to tell you, show you from the Bible how you can be of good cheer. For there stood by me this night Amen. the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. That was Jesus Christ. You can be of good cheer because God stands with his children. Now, you listen to me. God doesn't approve of everything I do or you do, but God stands with his children. I'm telling you right now, you can be of good cheer, number one, because he said, somebody stood by me. Flip your Bible back to chapter 23 and verse number 11 of Acts, chapter 23, verse number 11. And the night following, the Lord did what? Stood by him and said, Here it is, be of good cheer. Paul was being persecuted, and he was wanted. they wanted to kill him. And he said, That night the Lord stood by me. Brother Lonnie, I'm here to tell this church something. Everybody listen to me. For 40 years, God has stood by me. God has stood by me. Everybody else might have left. Other people are leaving. Family leave. Church people leave. God has stood by me and he'll stand by you. Fact of it is, God will orchestrate your life to where everybody else is gone. There's nobody left but God. You'll know that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll know. That there is one who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. He will wean you of all dependence upon human beings. He said, I'm going to be of good cheer because somebody stood by me. I want you to take your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's getting ready to die. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number Sixteen. Paul's talking about all the people in his life. In verse number 16, chapter 4, he said, at my first answer, bless God, they've got it up here. If you ain't got it, just just hang with me. I don't want you to lose this. At my first answer, no man stood with me. You ever been there? Yeah. Wasn't nobody standing with you? You tried to stand for what's right. You just simply stood by what the Bible said, and people thought you as a fanatic. And they said, I ain't hanging around. I don't have nothing to do with him no more. You just, just all you do is stand by what the Bible said. Paul said that my first answer, no man stood with me. Can I tell you something? You can be of good cheer when nobody is standing with you. You can be of good cheer when your spouse is not standing with you. And Paul said, I'm going to be of good cheer because I have someone, watch this, who has stood with me during the darkest nights of my life. Boy, I want to tell you something. You can't be around Jesus without being cheered up. Amen. Amen. He'll cheer you up, Amen. Amen. You know what you need to do is shut that stupid TV off, get off the phone a little while, and get your Bible open, and get out in the barn or in the woods or somewhere, and get with God and get and, and understand and know His presence, and know that God will stand with you and will stand. He didn't save you to drop you. He's standing with you. He's standing beside you. And He said this. He said I. He said my first answer. No man stood with me, <clears throat> but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid their charge. that's where you and I need to be. You can be of good cheer. Lord, don't lay that there charge. You're doing something in my life by taking those people out of my life. You're doing something good for me. Help me to see it, God, and don't charge those people with it. Look what he said in verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The world understands this better than we do. Stand by me. Hillary Clinton said, I'm not one of those Tammy Wynette, stand by your man girls. Why'd you say that? Because the song stand by me. Stand by your man. It hit a nerve in American people because people weren't standing with each other. Let me just say something. You don't have to prove or like my preaching, my attitude, my personality. I don't have to like yours. But if you're my brother in Christ, I ought to stand with you. Amen. Uh, by the way, I ought to stand with you when you've done wrong, when you've messed up. Amen. Hey, how many of you God to stood with you when you've messed up? Amen. Yeah. How many are glad he didn't walk off and say, yeah. I'm done with All him? Right. Amen, hey, man, you can be of good cheer hey, some of you this morning may have walked in this church and you're just down and you've messed up and you've sinned and you're just like doing that which you thought you would never do. And and you wonder if God still loves you and you wonder if he still, he still stands with you. He bought you, purchased you with the blood of his son and he's still standing with you. And Paul said, I've got to the end of my life and he's standing with me and he's standing by me. You better get this down because one of Satan's lies will be to you is that God is not standing with you. If you're saved, he's standing with you. Yeah. He said, the Lord strengthened me. He didn't just stand by me. He strengthened me. Paul said, number one, I can be of good cheer because somebody stood with me, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And that's going to give you the second reason you can be in good cheer. First of all, because God is standing with me. Second of all, sirs, I believe God. You say, well, uh, why, yeah, no, no, no. Hey, listen, it's one thing for you to know a, a verse in the Bible. It's another thing for you to truly believe it because behavior is determined by belief. Belief determines behavior. If you really believe now, watch this. The Bible said there's joy in believing. Brother Luke, when I didn't believe that God had given me eternal life, I didn't have that joy. See, but the moment, watch this the moment setting in that old trailer house we used to live in back in my study when the Holy Ghost of God. Confirmed to me that he had given me eternal life and that I would never perish, that I was saved forever. Literally, he meant what he said. I believe, sir, see, it's not just that God stood with me. If you want to have cheerfulness today? Believe God's word. Amen. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said he'd provide your every need according to his riches and glory. Amen. He said he went away to prepare a place for you. He said he's coming back to receive you. He said you'll never die. And if you honest to goodness, believe those things, you can be of good cheer. I remember a dear lady. I'm not going to mention your name, uh, but if I did, you'd know her. And she was like me. She was raised. You lose your salvation. And she said, Reggie, I was listening to a message you preached one day. I was driving down the road. And she said, you got to preaching on that. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, it just hit me upside the soul. That's what the Bible says. It's not what my denomination teaches, but that's what the Bible says. And she says, all of a sudden, it's just like the light came on. And she said, sirs, watch this. I believed God. And she said, I shouted over my steering wheel. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved forever. Joy in believing. Amen. If you don't understand this, if you've been in Sunday school class this morning. You'd understand this a lot better. I'm telling you right now. He said, it, I've, it, "He said I believe, sirs. I believe God. Watch this. That it shall be, even as it was told me. Hey, what all has God told you right here? It is. God has told you, I'll forgive you of your sins." God has told you my son died for you in your place. God's told you that he's risen from the dead. God's told you that if you'll call upon the Lord and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he'd save you and wash your sins away, give you eternal life, make you a child of God, give you a home in heaven, amen. Amen. God says, but according to your faith, so be it. You can be of good cheer if you start believing the Bible, Amen. amen. I'll give you one. Now, you, I don't know, I'm going to have a meeting with all you preachers. <clears throat> Two times the Bible says this. Watch this. <laughs> Blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin. Yeah. <whistles> Psalms 32, Romans chapter 4. What? <laughs> Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He didn't say he'll impute sin then take that sin away. He said he will not impute sin to that man. David's the one who said that in Psalms 32. Now I'm going to tell you a little something, Brother Phil. That is so powerful. That is so out... In the spiritual realm, I ain't quite grabbed it yet, Brother Kime. What if I was to tell you the Bible means what it says? What if I was to tell you that the man is blessed whom the Lord will not impute sin to? What if I told you that my sin, past, present, future, when I believed in Jesus Christ was imputed to him? I want you to get this. Was it just your past sins that was imputed to Christ when it's on the cross? No. no, because your sins were future then. You weren't even alive. You hadn't even committed them. Amen. See, that you can be cheerful when you start believing the Bible. Amen. But it's hard to believe sometimes. Do you know the disciples said, Lord, this is a hard saying. <laughs> what if I told you that when you sin, it's not imputed to you? Huh? Because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, because you're a child of God. When you sin, where's the sin imputed? To Jesus Jesus Christ. Whoa! That's a hard saying. Because the Bible says, watch this, if we Christians say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, truth's not in us. Christians sin. How many knows a preacher that does not sin? Stand and tell, and tell us who he is. <laughs> Every preacher you know sins way more than he'd ever let you know. Yes, yeah. <sighs> yes sir. What are you going to do with it? Paul said he's chief of sinners. Where's that put me at? He didn't say I was chief, he said I am. That's right. Present tense when he wrote it. I am chief of sinners. There's joy in believing. Paul said, "Serve be of good cheers. be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be as He said." Hey. You know what our problem is? We don't believe the Bible. Right. Yeah. We do not. But we—it's just sometimes we just think it's too good, mm-hmm. and we think it's spiritual, you know, to keep ourselves in a doubting situation. <laughs> right. No, it ain't. That's why you ain't got no cheer. You're loaded down. Satan got you loaded down. And you ain't never yet got to hold the redemption of Jesus Christ, what he did for you on the cross. Now, I know I blowed some of you out of the saddle right there. I can see your ship a-bobbing right now. (laughs) Amen. You think on that. I'm still thinking on it. I'm not negating the fact that we need to confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse all righteousness. But I'm going to tell you, judicially speaking, did you know that all of my sin is imputed to Jesus Christ? And God, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What a thought. Mercy takes that. Do you know what our problem is about believing that? It would give God all the glory. That's our problem. It takes away our self-righteousness, doesn't it? Uh, uh, uh. Well, there's a third reason. Now, that's their, when I mean, get done with the third reason, that's their introduction, because we're not having church tonight. So I'm going to preach till two no I'm not I'm just kidding you. but tonight here's what I want you to do tonight I want you to stay home don't you dare turn that TV on I want you to make I want you to say Lord I'm going to do this don't turn the TV on put your phones away and shut them off or maybe have it we emergency get your family around or just you around whatever it is you and you spend time with God oh yeah I see y'all amen and all over the house amen 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 <laughs> The third reason, number, in verse 36, then they were all of good cheer, and they took some meat. You know why? Why, Paul? Child of God, you're going to make it. Amen. You're going to make it. Amen. You know why they could all be of good cheer? Because they all found out they was going to make it. They had just been without any hope, but now they found out they're going to make it. When you start believing that God is going to take you through, that he's not a savior that takes you halfway to shore and drops you off, and you're going to, he's taking you all the way to glory land, you can be of good cheer, amen, because you're going to make it. But you're not going to make it because of how good you live. You're going to make it because he died for you and saved you. That's how you're going to make it. So there's three cheers here. There's the cheer of God the Father, the cheer of God the Son, and the cheer of God the Holy Ghost, Amen. I can be divinely cheerful because the Father who loves me has me in his hand, providing for me, protecting me. I have an inheritance. I have a home. Secondly, I can be of good cheer because the Son who died for me and rose again from the dead and ascended to the Father, he's ever lives to make intercession for me, and he's the advocate. These things I write into you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. I have a a Savior. I can be of good cheer because he's coming again. I tell you, when my knees is hurting and my backs are hurting and my shoulders are hurting and I turn like a dog under a wagon trying to go to sleep at night, I can be of good cheer because someday I'm going to have a new glorified body and it'll never know sin again. I can be of good cheer because he's coming again someday. The trumpet of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remains shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That kind of cheers me up. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something. It won't always be COVID. No, it won't always be inflation. And it won't be illegal immigration. And it won't be stupidity. Because I can be a good cheer, because someday He's going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years, a rod of iron. He's going to reign in righteousness, and guess what? I get to rule with Him. Read your Bible. Well, the Bible says I, I, I can be a good cheer because of the Father. I can be of good cheer because of the Son, and I can be divinely cheerful because of the Spirit of God, who keeps me and comforts me and guides me and speaks to me. Oh, my! Sw- I'm telling you what? Isn't the Holy Spirit sweet? Amen. Isn't He good? Isn't He good to us? And bides with us forever. The Bible said, Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, "Of Mary." heart doth good like a medicine. Well, if you've got COVID, I'm going to recommend you a prescription. Get happy. Amen. 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 Say, Lord, I'm thankful I don't have cancer. I may have COVID, but maybe I ain't got a cancer. Lord, I may have COVID, but I still live in America. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. You see, it comes, has to come from your heart. It's not a put on deal. We're not at a comedy show. We got something inside that makes us cheerful. Amen. Proverbs says, a merry heart doth good like a medicine. Take that medicine. Amen. Somebody said, I don't feel good. Get cheerful. You'll feel better. Amen. Amen. The Bible said it's like a medicine. Don't want to kid you. He said, Reggie is this real? Can I tell you this? Jesus was a suffering on the cross. And the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, who for the joy, watch this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Did you know that Jesus had cheerfulness and joyfulness while He was on the cross? The Bible says. Did you know the Apostle Paul wrote, and when he was sitting in a rat-infested, human filth, ankle-deep jail cell, in the Book of Philippians, said this: "Rejoice!" And again, I say, "Rejoice." Let me tell you something. If the Apostle Paul could rejoice in the midst of a filthy, cold, nasty, nasty jail cell with rats swimming around him, buddy, let me tell you something. If he can say rejoice and rejoice. He had something you and I need. You and I can't rejoice, and we're living in and got a good. Fireplace and got a good a good fire in the stove and blankets on the bed, food in the pantry, and we can't be in good cheer. I'm telling you something. American Christianity needs this worse than anything I know. We need to be able to say I'm in good cheer because of the God I serve today. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says this. Watch this. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. American people are so weak because they don't have the joy of the Lord. You know, I'm going to give you a question and we we'll get out of here. Where did God, where did Paul get his three cheers? Put upon your, put upon the uh, 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 wall, Matthew 9 2, 9, 2, Matthew 9, 2. I don't spend a whole lot of time taking it because I'm trying to run and get you out of here. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 2, the Bible, Jesus told his disciples to be a good cheer about something. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. This is good. Never saw this till this week. I'd always saw, I saw for many, many years that Paul had three cheers in Acts 27. I didn't know where he got it from. Found out he got it from our Savior. Because in your Bible, there are three occasions where Jesus Christ told you and I to be of good cheer. It's that They're actually recorded four times, but one of them is the same situation when he's on the water. There's three situations in the Gospels where Jesus said to be of good cheer. That's why the Holy Ghost recorded three good cheers in Acts 27. I'm talking and preaching on divine cheerfulness. I'm not talking about you going down to Branson and watching a show, getting you a laugh. I'm talking about divine cheerfulness that when you're in the midst of sadness and sorrow and storms, And life has went backwards on you, and you're like, what in earth is going on? And you haven't seen the sun and the stars for many days. And you wonder, is this ever going to turn around? You can have cheer. The just shall live by faith. And God commands you and I to be of good cheer, and he gives us the reasons. I gave you three reasons out of Acts 27, because the Lord standing with you, because he believed the Bible, and because you're going to make it. Now I'm going to give you the three reasons that Paul got out of Jesus Christ on it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on the bed. Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, watch this. Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I want to close this morning by telling you, number one, Jesus, this is the first time Jesus tells us to be of good cheer, and he said, because your sins are forgiven. Let me just tell you something this morning. If you were lying in the hospital and the doctor said you need to call the family, there is no hope for you. You're going to die. And you've got bills you can't pay and the hospital bills are racking up. I just read a lady's story this week about some people that I know. And her husband got sick down south here. And they couldn't it went, took in West Plains Hospital. They couldn't get uh, they couldn't do anything for him. And they said, we've got to get him somewhere. They couldn't get him in Springfield. They couldn't get him in St. Louis. They couldn't get him in Kansas They Finally, Denver Hospital said they'd take the man. They got an air vac in there and a plane to take her husband to uh, Denver, Colorado, to a hospital. This is, this is in the last year or so. On the way at Great Bend, Kansas, he died on the plane. They charged them 99000 and some dollars for that plane trip, and he died. They had lost their business, and I knew their business, and they went broke, worked hard, worked their guts out for years, and they had lost their business, had to sell out. And in the midst of it, she still praised and thanked God. She said, this is not it. This is not the end. We'll see him again. And though I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. Becky, it's good to see you and your husband here today. I think about your daddy right now and all he went through and your mother went through and you've been through it. But I want you to be of good cheer because you'll see him again. This isn't the end of it. I felt so sorry for your dad when I went to visit him, realizing that those days were over when he'd go out and feed the cows and do those things. Let me just tell you something. In pastoring and preaching, it's, it's just not a lot of fun all the time. It's not a lot. Of fun. You're dealing with people that are dying, people that are sick, people that are broke, people that are their families are busting up and all kinds of troubles. There's problems. I mean, it's just if I didn't go out and cut a log or two, I'd go and put bananas. And then here comes my own personal trial. And I was just like, Lord, boy, this week God just got a hold of me. He says Reggie. You can wallow in your ashes all you want to, but you better get in that book and you better study about how to handle these troubles. And I begin to go and all of a sudden it's like, be of good cheer, Reggie. Be of good cheer. I said, Lord, but how? Study the Bible, Reggie. Amen. Amen. So I've given you Paul's three things. I'm going to give you this and we're out of here. Number one, he said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> If I lost my farm and I lost my health and my children all left, I can still be a good cheer, Dennis, because my sins are forgiven. Amen. I hope you understand this today. What's sad in America is now people don't, even saved people don't act like it's a big deal. They're forgiven. They're not happy that they're forgiven. But let me tell you a little something. The moment you die Forgiveness of your sins is going to be the big ticket issue. Were your sins forgiven? I want to ask you this morning, are you forgiven? Do you know in your soul and heart that you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for you and you've received him as your savior? Have you ever come to God with a repentant heart? And faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said, in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Yes. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Boy, let me tell you something. I've got a sacred hall of shame. I don't like to go back here, but every once in a while it's good for me. To go back through the the rooms of my soul. And to look at that door, I don't even have to open it anymore. I know what's behind that door. It's a hall of shame. But I can look at that and I can say he's cast all my sins behind his back. Amen. He has removed them from me as far from himself to, as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers them against me no more. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil come up and he'll jump up and point his bony finger in my face and try to drag up that garbage. And I say, you know what? I'm forgiven. Amen. I'm forgiven. Amen. And I can be of good cheer. Even though I may be weeping, I can be of good cheer down here because I know I'm not going to hell because I've been forgiven of my sin and it's not charged against me anymore. And I want to tell you something. When I beg you in Jesus' name, that if you're saved, would you believe that? Would you believe that your sins are forgiven? That Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If God be for us, who can be against us? You can be of good cheer, number one, because your sins are forgiven. Take, uh, would, would you put up also oh, Matthew fourteen twenty-seven. Matthew chapter 14, 27, the second time Jesus said be of good cheer. Matthew 14, verse number 27. <clears throat> There's a storm out on the sea. Verse number 25 and verse number 24, the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And then the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went in there walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Straightway, Jesus spoke in them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. I want to tell you what helps me and cheers me up. When I got started preaching about a year and a half in, God gave, how many knows, how many knows that God typically will give you many verses that you love, but for a lot of people, God gives them a verse that they kind of just literally hang their Christian experience on. And I'm not saying you should just do one, you broaden that thing out and get you a bunch of them, amen. But God gave me a verse that has sustained me and given me cheer through the years. And here it is. Many of you know what it is, Isaiah 41:10. Fear thou not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Those are big statements, folks. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. And then he says this, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I'm going to tell you something. When God helps man, he's helped. God used that verse, and when I get discouraged, when I feel weak, and there's been times recently, to be honest with you, in recent weeks, I'll tell you what, I was like God, I. I, And then that still small voice, "Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I can be of good cheer because I got a God." that's with me that will strengthen me and in the darkest days of my life and the worst storms of my life and i want to tell you i may be on that storm and it's the night time and i want to tell you jesus said don't fear because it's me and boy i'll tell you when he said that things settled down amen you know what i can be of good cheer because he'll never never leave me he'll never forsake me you know you know what the bible teaches us that we don't have to fear 500 times god says you don't need to fear he said, I'll never leave you. He's the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, and the God of the desert, and the God of the sea, and the God of the ocean, the God of the lake, and God everywhere, amen? He's God when it's good. He's God when it's bad. He's God when you're broke. He's God when you got lots of money, amen? And David said this, yea, though I walk through the valley, watch this, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? Why will you not fear evil? You're walking through the valley of the shadow. Because thou art with me. Amen. Why, David? Because I don't have to fear. Last one is John 16, verse number 33. Now listen, I'm going to give you something to take home put in your truck. Get your truck backed up. I'm fixing to give you something out of the Word of God that I'm telling you to help you if you believe it. John 16:33. John 16:33. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of you say, Reggie, it's 12 o'clock. Time to get out. No, it ain't. It's time to preach. Amen. And I'm not going to let the devil cheat us out of this. Amen. I wished I was faster. And I know some of you preachers, I limit you 30 minutes and you say, you, you get to go as long as you want. Well, you can go get your church. You preach as long as you want. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> all right. Now, watch verse 33. Now, I want to give the background of this. Jesus, all this whole chapter is telling these disciples, I'm going to leave. I'm going to to be crucified. I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to send you the comforter, but I'm leaving. What? We thought she was going to set up the kingdom. Nope, not now. I was rejected. There's a church age coming, and I'm going to heaven. I'm leaving. Boy, they were down. And look what he tells them when he finishes up. Verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me. You might have peace. Can I tell you something? You ain't going to have peace nowhere else in the world, but in him. Now watch this. In the world, he said, you're going to be staying. I'm leaving. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Now he's not talking about the great tribulation there. He's talking about just the tribulations of life. How many figured out you're going to have some tribulation? He told you that in this world, you're going to have it. Some of you ain't lived long enough to have it, but you're going to have it. Now, here's what he said. But everybody looking at your Bible, what it say? Be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Did you know why I can be of good cheer this morning? Because my Savior has overcome the world. Amen. I'm telling you something. He's going to come back, rule and reign. He's going to whoop the daylights out of the devil and the whole crowd. And he's going to rule and reign. And he has overcome the world. I'm telling you something. I can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation. But you're going to have peace in me. But I'm the king, amen. And I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign. Now, I want to give you something, why you can be of good cheer, and we'll go, I know I've said that before. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 4. Now, keep in mind something that we just read the gospel of John, that you can be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. 1 John, now get this, don't miss it, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to tell you one thing, when I pull into a golden corral, I don't want to be in a hurry, Amen. Don't push me. I'm going to walk around a while and look and see what I like and put, get me another plate and walk back to my table with two plates. Amen. We hope you're your golden corral this morning. Now look at 1 John 4, 4. Look what it says. Everybody there say amen. amen. You are of God, little children, and have what? Overcome them. Because why? Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Now watch this. Watch this. Get a hold of it. Jesus said, you can be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have problems. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. It's going to turn out fine. I've got it. Right. Now, when you got saved, you were placed by the Holy Ghost in Christ. Amen. That's Ephesians all through the Bible. Amen. Be in Christ. Amen. Now, what is he telling you? Greater is he, he said, You've overcome because greater is he that's where? In you than he that's in the world. Who's that? The devil. So he, Christ, that's in you is greater than the devil. And he said, because of that, you also are an overcomer. Now, if you get this, you'll be of good cheer. Look at chapter 5, verse number 4. Whosoever is born of God, tell me what? What did Jesus say back in John 16? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now he says, whosoever is born of God. Who's born of God? That's a saved person. That's a saved person that has received Christ as their Savior, been born again in the Spirit of God. God says, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our experience, even our feelings. It's your faith. Watch verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now I want to straighten something out. I want to straighten a crooked stick out the devil does. Much of the religious world will tell you an overcomer if you're just spiritually strong and stout and you endure and you just hang on and, and you just, your will, you're, going to, you're, just, you're just, boy, you, you're something. That's not an overcomer. An overcomer is a person who simply has come to Jesus Christ, believed upon him as your Savior, as a child, and received him as Savior. And God says, I'll save you, uh, uh, you'll be born again, and that makes you an overcomer. Amen. That's, that's what an overcomer is. An overcomer is not somebody who's super spiritual in your eyes. Right. An overcomer is a person who's saved. Amen. And you're being an overcomer is because of what Christ did for you and your faith in Christ. That makes you an overcomer because you're in Christ who overcame the world. All right. Now, this is wild. Go to Revelation chapter 2, verse number 7. He's going to speak to seven churches here. And in every church, he's going to tell you the blessings and the reward of an overcomer. How many here would like to see? Let's get this down. Judicially and doctrinally speaking, whether you understand this or not, you are an overcomer in Christ. But it's another thing to practically experience that in your daily life. It's one thing to talk at church. It's another thing for tomorrow afternoon when you're getting hit with something that but it's also another thing to understand and to be of good cheer because of the hope that you have in the future as an overcomer. And I'm telling you what, this will bless your heart. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse number 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says in the church. to him that what? Overcometh. Overcometh. Guess what? Now, now let's back up a minute. Who's an overcomer? person that's been saved. Whosoever is born of God. Okay. I've laid that out for you. Hey, if you'll get a hold of this, it'll change your life. Now he says, to him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That sounds good to me. God says, as an overcomer, you're going to get to eat of the tree. You have to go back to Genesis and get a hold of this. Yeah. This is the whole deal about the fall and the sin and all that. And what God is saying to you, I'm going to restore to you everything that Satan stole from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Woo! That'd yeah. make an old Presbyterian shout. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's an overcomer. And it's not because I'm such a good Christian and I'm hanging on and I'm enduring to the end. It's because of what Christ did for me. And I'm in Christ. He's overcoming the world. I'm an overcomer through Christ. And he said, I'm an overcomer. I'm going to get to eat the tree of life and the paradise of God. Look at chapter 2, verse number 11, the next one. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the church is He that what? <laughs> get a hold of this. Yeah. Shall not be hurt of the second death. Yeah. Do you know what the second death is? That's the lake of fire. You're saved. You're born again. You're an overcomer. You're not going to hell. Amen. Woo! Amen. No wonder he said be of good cheer. Yeah. Amen. 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 Boy, I'm telling you right now. I, I'm just going to tell you straight up, gun barrel straight. I am not, I am not letting the devil. Say, Now settle down, Reggie, settle down. It's not, that big, it's, it's not that big a deal. You're you you not going to hell. It's not that big a deal now. Settle down. It's a big deal. It's a big, it's a big. It's the biggest deal in my world. I am not going down to some stupid volleyball game or basketball game or football game and holler my guts out because somebody stumbled and fell. And then come to church and sit like a stupid wooden Indian and act like Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood and coming up from the dead and saving my wretched soul and giving me a home in heaven, save me from hell and make me an overcomer. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Amen. You sit there if you want to. This, uh, this old hillbilly is going to have a good time and it's going to be a good cheer because I'm not going to the second death. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you right now. I said I, I don't care about COVID. That ain't the end of it. I don't care about inflation. That ain't the end of it. Biden will be gone. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mercy. Set. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. To him, he that hath an ear, let him hear. You know what I like? That's three times God said, if you got an ear, would you hear? Yeah. And I go, hey. Yeah. Isn't it funny? We hear, but we don't hear. Yeah. Hey, if you reached out and said, you know what? I think I'll believe the Bible. Yeah. You'll have some cheer. He said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in churches. To him that what? Yeah. Well, I give to either the hidden manna. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. This now, boy, I'm gonna tell you what. This will plow your ground. Up. He said, "I give him the hidden manna. I, I give him white stone, and in the stone a new name written, For which no man knoweth to save and he that receiveth." Now, what's a hidden manna? Does anybody know where the hidden manna was in the Bible? Where was the hidden manna? We're we gonna do a tabernacle out here. You better figure this out. Where was it at? It was in the holy of holies. It was in the, of yeah. it was in the presence of God. It was where God Do You know what he's saying? You that overcome by faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to come into my presence. You're going to sit. Oh, mercy. You're going to be with me for eternity. You come. The veil is rent. I can go in the Holy of Holies. Let us come there for boldly in the throne of grace. I'm going to be with the Lord. Amen. I'm not going to be looking over a veil or through a veil to see God. I'm going into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. Amen. Now it says a stone. Said you overcome Said that passage said you have a stone, white stone. A white stone is an equivalent stone. How many ever heard of being blackballed? Masonic Lodge does this about members when they take members in. They still use this, it's an Eastern practice. Okay. And different organizations use it. But it, Paul, the Holy Ghost is writing to get people to understand this. You see, if they if they pulled the black ball out, you didn't get to go in. You weren't part of it. But if the white stone came out, you were in. What did he just tell you? You're in. <laughs> God says, I ain't blackballing I ain't blackballing you. <laughs> See, if you sign up, you, if they invite you to join the Masonic Club and there's one old boy down there in town don't like you, he can blackball you, you're out. You don't have Ain't nobody blackballing me in God's heaven, amen? amen. You in? Amen. Jesus is the one pulling the stone out. Amen. i tell you what, some of you need to get saved. You'd be happy, amen? <laughs> Look at uh, chapter 2, verse number 26, the fourth one. And he that overcometh, And keepeth my works unto the end. By the way, perseverance is in the Bible. And you persevere because of he who lives in you, not because of you. To him will I give power over the nations. What? Did you know the Bible said that we're going to rule and reign with him? Are you kidding me, Reg? Nobody told me that. The Bible told you that. Look at the next verse. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. That's Revelation chapter 19. That's the millennial reign. Those that are saved are going to rule and reign with Christ and have power over the nation. I know it takes faith for you to believe that, but it is the truth. Amen. Watch this Is Jesus a king? Yes. Does Jesus have a bride? Yes. Who is the bride? Church. Church, what do you call the opposite of the king? And the queen rules with the king. Yeah, boy, I'm telling you what, I could jerk this pulpit and throw it aside, amen. I'm telling you right now, this word of God, amen. You can be of good cheer. Well, I know some of your bellies are growling. <laughs> Revelation, <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, now, verse number 5, there's seven of these. We're at the fifth one. Hmm. He that overcometh, there it is. See it, everybody? Amen. Yeah. amen. The same shall be clothed in white raiment. What is that? That's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. Watch this. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Are you ready? Here it comes. Get ready. Blotting out the book, your name out of the book of life. What's that all about in the Bible? I want to ask you a question. A baby that's aborted, where does it go? How's it go to heaven? See, according to a lot of preachers, your name gets written in the book of life and you get saved. That's not so. Not so. Your name is in the book of life until you've rejected Jesus Christ the last time. And then when he does, it's over. Ain't no coming back. That's why if you're piddling around about your salvation, well, you better make sure about it. Don't you dinker around. The Bible said, my spirit will not always strive with men. David said, and his baby died with Bathsheba. He said, it cannot return to me, but I shall go to him. Amen. we got that much sense. Yeah. Babies didn't come down the aisle. Yeah. Two-year-olds didn't come down the aisle and get saved. Yeah. God's a just God and a holy God, and he does not condemn innocent people. Yeah. Now, you can believe that or not. What's he telling you there? If you're an overcomer, you're saved, your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. All right? That's enough to make you shout. Amen. That's enough to make you be a little bit of good cheer. Amen. Yes. My name ain't going to get blotted out. I'm an overcomer, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look what he said there. I'll not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, i want to tell you something that's good. I want Jesus to confess my name before the Father. I want Jesus to say, Reg is mine. He's mine. He trusted me as his Savior. And he belongs to us. And he will confess. I'm going to tell you something. If you you have Jesus Christ confessing your name to the Father, you have got the world and all that's in it. Amen. That's worth more than all the world's gold, money, houses, farms, and buildings, and everything else, is that if Jesus confesses your name to the Father. Let's go to the next one here, and we'll be done in just a second. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 12. Him that overcometh. Oh, listen to this, beloved. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. Now I want to tell you a little something. People don't never talk about today. Anybody's ever heard of the mark of the beast? Anybody ever know where it's supposed to be put on? On your forehead. Did you know the Bible teaches that those that are God's will have his name, his name on their on our forehead? They're identified. Christ, all right? I write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven up from my God. I write upon him my new name. I'm going to be a citizen as an overcomer. I'm going to be a citizen of the New Jerusalem. Amen. And it's going to be known for all of eternity and for all the world to know who I belong to. Amen. Right there. Right there. I belong to Jesus. I want to, I'm i glad I'm his. Amen. Amen. We're the last ones in chapter 3 and verse number 21. And I'll tell you what, this will blow your gaskets out. You ever been in an old truck and you put hit the pedal to the metal and it goes, boom, boom blew the gaskets out? <laughs> So you used the old mechanics, you say, you just quit, you quit dogging this thing around and blow the cobwebs out of this old truck. Amen. Some of you, that's what you need. The cobwebs blowed out of your old truck, get to the middle to the middle and start believing God's word. Look at what he says to him that overcometh. Now, who's an overcomer? We are, we are. Person to say, Will I grant <laughs> to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame. And to sit down with my Father in his throne. I rest my case. Amen. Be of good cheer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, folks, it's good. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine sitting with Jesus in his throne? Amen. Mercy seeks it alive. Well, I tell you what. <sighs> but if you're not overcome, if you're not saved, Instead of being of good cheer, you'll be in a place where there's never any cheer. And the only thing you'll ever hear is the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. If you're here today and you're not saved, I beg you in Jesus' name. If you're listening online this morning, I beg you in Jesus' name. Right now, wherever you're at, you may be sitting at your house. Just fall on your knees at your couch and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you're in this church today, bow your head right where you're at. And say, God, save me right now. I'd say, well, i give no, Hey, no in the Bible does it say they got to be playing just as I am. And you come up here and, you know, you can get saved right where you're sitting right now. Right. Now, listen, it's 1219 and I wanted so bad to get done preaching in time to have Lonnie and, and uh, Joel come and play. But I tell you what, we'll just do that again. All righty. I love you. How many say, Lord, by your grace, I'll try to be a good cheer this week. All righty. Okay. I'm not talking about worldly giddiness. I'm not talking about getting half up on marijuana and two beers in your belly and you're happy. I'm talking about when the storms of life have hit and when, honey, we don't know how we're going to pay the bills. But we can still be of good cheer. Sir, as I believe God, the Lord's standing with me. It'll be just like he said. Let's stand together. Lord, we thank you for your word. I don't have anything else to hang my soul on. But I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can be of good cheer when our heart is hurting, when our soul is weeping, when we haven't seen the sun or the stars or the moon for days. I thank you, Lord, that we can be of good cheer when we're dying. I thank you, Lord, that we can be of good cheer no matter what's going on. Lord, help us to lay this message to heart. Help us to believe what you said. And God, help us to know that if we'll be of good cheer, it might help somebody else to be of good cheer. Help us, Lord, be a blessing to your holy name and to other people. And I pray, God, That this gathering together today has brought glory and honor to your sweet name. And Lord, I tell you the truth. I read that while ago, Grant, to sit with me in my throne. Lord, I can't hardly imagine. But Lord, I thank you. And I just want to humble my heart before you today and say, Lord, I love you. And I thank you for loving me while I was lost wicked and worthless as hell. God, I thank you for convicting me of my sin and making me know the guilt of it and the weight of it, and I thank you, Lord, for showing me the cross, and I thank you for showing me the blood of your son that was shed to pay for my sin. Bless these people for coming today, Lord. I pray that you give them safety as they walk to their vehicles. I pray you give them safety as they go home, and I pray, God, that tonight would be a sweet time for them and their families. Spent with you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.